Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leave Nothing to Chance, the podcast about starting and growing your small business, presented by ComBank. I'm comedian Yanni Gislo, and in each episode, we'll speak with business owners about their journey of starting, growing, and managing their business. In this episode, we continue our discussion on starting and running a business, but this time with a lens to comparing new and established businesses. Today, we're talking with Stephen Dyer from Clay Cups, a new unique business based in Sydney, focused on changing the way we think about cafe culture through sustainability. And on the other spectrum, we have Sylvana Mamik from Plum Tree, which is a not-for-profit organisation based in Sydney, established 30 years ago. It provides support for young children with a developmental delay or disability and their families. Welcome to the show, Steve and Sylvana. Hey there. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming on. Now, uh, guys, just uh, to begin, uh, for me and for everyone listening, why don't you tell us about your businesses? So uh, let's maybe start with Steve. I am the youngest here, so or youngest business, <laughs> I should say. So um, basically, uh, Clay Cups uh, evolved from a cafe I used to own called Pusher Espresso Bar in Sydney. Uh, we uh, always, well, I've always been environmentally minded and I've always thought that um face-to-face stuff as far as uh, cafe culture, interacting with people every day is a great way to um, facilitate change just on the individual individual scale of of things. Um, My business partner, Catherine Mahoney, was the uh, potter who put all the plates, cups and saucers together for the cafe um, pusher. And uh, we got together one day over a cup of tea, ironically, and um, <laughs> we uh, decided we'd, we'd come up with a reusable coffee cup made of ceramic. Um, and I thought nothing of it initially because I had no know-how, I had no insight into how um, clay works. But my business partner came came back to me after about three months and said, I think I've got it, and put this um, product towards me. And it was almost perfect straight away, but we had to go and engineer it in the cafe environment, make sure that it worked. But it would appeal to people um, in the cafe set um, who had become reliant on the disposable culture, which was quite destructive, as we've all come to understand. Um, after about a year and a half uh, of toing and froing um, through the cafe and her going back to her studio and redesigning certain imperfections or flaws that we discovered, we came up with this concept, which was the clay cup. And we went to social media and put it up there and it was just an in- instant success. Wow. We had no right idea. Pro- right product, right time. Yeah, it was It was a product that's time had come. Uh, this was, however, a bit of a, a curse because the demand was so high and we were such a young business, we had no way of ever filling the demand. Um, so we had to uh, shut down our social media presence simply just because <laughs> we, we couldn't take the pressure because everyone wanted them. They wanted wholesale. They wanted retail. Wow. And, and uh, we got <laughs> we, I had Catherine working in a studio for you know, seven days a week on these cups, and she's already an independent potter, very recognised in her profession. The problem we were faced with is how do we scale up production because we're obviously onto something but how do we um, scale up production while maintaining authenticity around the product because that's what people jumped at yeah i guess the whole point is you don't want to mass produce the whole thing yeah well um, let's jump with to you sylvana so you uh tell us about your business and um tell us about how long you've been there 
Plumtree is an organisation, as you said, that supports children with disabilities and their families, birth to eight years old. And we provide uh, services including speech therapy, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, early education that really supports the child so that, and, and the family so that the child can be a part of the community and, uh, and, and grow up doing the things that all children do. Yeah. Um, so we employ about 65 people at the moment. Uh, most of the work that we do is in the family home or in uh, children's natural settings such as childcare or preschool or school. And how old, how, how, how old is the business? The business is 30 years old and uh, it was uh, commenced commenced uh, on the premises of an institution in Summerhill. That institution uh, no longer exists. And uh, this was a little, you know, the organisation was set up by some nurses who worked in the institution and they felt that the children who were in a preschool age who were living there needed a little preschool environment. So they um, they found a, a sort of a dilapidated building, um, condemned building on the, on the site and uh, did a little bit of refurbishing and set up a little preschool for the children in the institution. It's kind of like a uh, really old school hipster chic or something. <laughs> <laughs> they did it before then when it wasn't so cool. Yeah, when it wasn't so cool. And then when did you come into that business? I came in 1997, so I'd just been through early intervention with my son. What, what is that? So my son was born with a disability as well. Yeah. And um, my background is teaching. I'm a primary school teacher. And when he was born and diagnosed with a disability, I went back and did my master's in special education to try to understand what kind of a life I could build for him in the future. What could I expect? And uh, when he went to school, then I decided I know a thing or two about early intervention. Maybe I should uh, get into this field and not go back to primary school teaching. That's really like being a super mum, isn't it? It's kind of like, that's your thing. I'm going to train in that thing and I'm going to help you and also lots of other people like you. Steve, you said that, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the time when people start a new business, the problem is not enough demand. Now, you're saying you had too much demand. Um, so how did you get through that? It was quite stressful because... Uh, it was a, a business I'd never been involved in. I could start a cafe and run a cafe, no problem, and I will do it again. But this was um, managing expectations to people we were supplying the cups to and also making sure that the product design was right as we went to market. It's, it's actually funny, the, the War on Waste you may have heard of, which is an ABC show yeah. um, by Craig Rucastle, yeah. um, happened about six months into our journey, which really upped the stakes um, it, it sort of brought all this to the fore and made it mainstream. And so, um, you know, as, as we were already struggling with demand and then all of this, a sudden this came along. And It's not often that something comes <clears> on the <throat> TV that really promotes your product. You're like, oh, no, not this. It was too oh. soon. It was too soon for us. Uh, so we, we, we felt the pressure from ourselves, but then all of a sudden this pressure came from the market and there were all sorts of people entering the market because Pottery is quite a, a it's quite a, a big scene um, in around the world, um, but it's become more pronounced now that the clay cups are out there and everyone's seen that it's achievable. So every potter is trying their own reusable coffee cup now. Yeah, um, right. I guess the the advantage we had was that we were already onto this. We we'd already six to eight months ahead. Of, of the process, whereas anyone who started from the war on waste would be, have to go through the same trials and tribulations yeah. as us. Um, but it, there was a lot of anxiety around it um, because we knew, I think in business, it's a universal rule is um, if you don't fill the market, someone else will. Yep. I think that's fundamental to the pressure we were feeling. 
And that's an interesting point about filling the market because, I mean, what could you talk to us about what the market's like for、uh, helping children with developmental disorders at the moment、right. in Australia? Yeah. So when I when I joined、uh, the organisation 21 years ago,、uh, the first transformation was really shifting it from an approach where、uh, professionals were working directly with the child in this kind of medicalised model, right,、uh, and really then、um, involved with bringing families into the equation and supporting families and staff to work together. So that was a big transformation 20 years ago, and the most recent transformation. In the last few years, has been getting ready for the implementation of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. That's fundamentally changed our business. We've always had a history of supporting the child and the family, but I guess that the,、um, the renewed focus on,、um, you know, outcomes, independence, inclusion, and self、um, self managing,、uh, that really requires of the,、uh, the community who are going to receive this funding to have a knowledge about how they can actually get the best outcomes and to make good decisions. You need good information, and it's a very big shift. It's kind of the shift back to the consumer and 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 getting them to understand that they've actually got to do a lot more than in the past systems where perhaps governments and organisations. Did a lot more of that work for you, so it's a it's a pretty fundamental shift. Shift and that empowerment, I guess, um, um, it, that is needed. I guess that's where we we really kind of identified to be able to do that effectively. Families would have to be educated and to become empowered, and that's what、um, some of the work that we've been doing over the past few years has really focused much more in a targeted way on that. Okay, in terms of the、um, the funding, I understand that it's gone from being publicly funded to having to be privately funded. Is that correct? Some organisations received government funding four times. A year, for example, to、yep. to run their organisations, and now the the funding goes straight to the participant, and the participant goes around and chooses what organisation they'd like to buy services、um, from, or not even choose a service. They can choose to buy、uh, things from the community. So my son has a disability; he gets NDIS funding, and he doesn't purchase services from a, an organisation. He purchases、uh, services from community、uh, based、um, activities that he wants to participate in. Right. Well, that sounds like a very big difference to your business, particularly. And so, in a way, like maybe you've got you've, you've quite you've actually got a new business model that you have to sort of、uh, adjust to. And how 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 you how have you found the transition、uh, between the old system where you would receive the funding directly、uh, to say the current system whereby you need to market out to people essentially、mm. like any other. Uh, like like most businesses,、mm, that, that is so true. So in the past, because we had funded free fu- funded places, families could come to us and get a free service,、um, and we always had waiting list, 150 families on the waiting list. Whereas uh, now, um, anybody can set up a shop in in this environment and become an NDIS provider, and we're competing with everybody now. And、uh, that concept of competition is very、uh, very new, and so、um, we have to、um, of course communicate what it is that we do and why we do it. Like that, and what the benefits are to children and families, and and reach them in ways that will attract them and、um, hopefully engage them in the services that we we provide. And it's a very very fundamental shift. Okay, well, let's move on to maybe something a little bit different.、Uh, why don't you talk about what your、uh, working routines are like, and whether or not those have changed from say when you first started, when you had a new business,、uh, to say now. I'll start then, Silvana, if I may. <laughs> Basically, coming from a cafe environment,、um, which was my bread and butter、um, business originally, is long days, six a.m. starts.、Yeah. Um, I started running this clay cup business while owning a cafe, so I would work ten hours in the cafe and then head home, and I'd answer my emails. I'd get into the garage and pack cups and 
and and work out um, I guess strategy because it was it didn't just happen. You've got to have a strategy in in place, and Instagram and social media can only get your product so so but, far. And how many people were there at the business at this time? In the in in my in the clay in cups clay business, because yeah. just me and my business partner. Just I was doing right? I was doing uh, the legwork, um, um, answering phone calls, that sort of thing, and she was uh, I guess product design. And so she'd be in her studio designing cups, turning cups, and I'd be in the garage putting orders together, um, you know, working out packaging, shipping, all that sort of stuff, which was totally foreign to me. Um, and all this whilst also running the cafe. Yeah, which was very taxing um, on my energy and having two kids. <laughs> um, but so what, what happened is um, eventually I realized that running the two businesses, if Clay Cups was going to get off the ground properly, I had to sacrifice one of the businesses. And um, having done cafes before, that was an easy decision because I wanted to try, try something new. I, I saw something in this product um, that, that could go a long way. Um, so what happened, sold the cafe uh, and, and ended up... Was that up, quite a nerve-wracking decision to kind of like, um, you know, just cut <laughs> off one... Because that wasn't your it, first cafe, was no, it? No, I've had, I've had cafes before and I've run cafes for years. And I think it, there's a very important thing to remember in business things, as I were talking about business here, yeah. is you have to be detached from your business from an emotional point of view. Your business is you, but at the same time, um, you can't be attached to that business because you can make it, make de- poor decisions based on emotion. Whereas for me, the best decision at the time was to... Um, Get, basically offload the cafe, make my money back in a little bit more, which I can reinvest into clay cups. Uh, and it also freed up tons of time for myself because in a cafe you're you're managing up to 10 staff. Um, you know, then, you, then you limit that down to just you and your business partner. And yeah. so what I did was I, I, I sold the business. I moved into my garage. We have a, a little a garage under our house, um, which I um, basically put all the packaging in, um, uh, had I basically redesigned the whole place to be a, a warehouse, so that reduces our overheads. We don't have to be paying for a warehouse. Did you used to have a car in there? You had to move uh, it out. Yeah, so it all disrupted that's been the whole family now, routine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have, but we have got a great little uh, a, a warehouse slash man cave now. So, um, but anyway, so it's, it's gone from uh, from from the ten hour day to me having to wake up in the morning get the kids off to daycare, um, to me having to get onto the computer, writing emails, processing orders, then head down to the to warehouse and ship whatever orders I have coming. But it, it's and some days it is very hard because, you know, you, you can get distracted, you know, you, you don't always want to work. It's very easy so, to lose a few hours to yeah, some admin. Yeah, there's a lot of discipline that you need to employ. So I always make sure that I'm at, at in the warehouse by 9 o'clock. And how many people have you got working for you now? Just one. So it's just, it's still... Basically, I have my cousin um, who has struggled with some mental health issues, um, but has really come good now, really solid little individual. And he helps me um, for, you know, 10 hours a week, just putting putting orders together. And it's it's giving him empowerment, um, but it's also really helping me. Um, And so... The, the, there were lots of setbacks with the development of the product. So there were days where I'd get a shipment or a week where I'd get a shipment in of several hundred cups and I'd be busy for two or three days yep. nonstop. But then there'd be a couple of weeks or you know, a month between orders and uh, the, so your workload drops right down. Yeah, so it's real feast or famine kind of. But what I, what I decided to do was instead of sitting there and dwelling on not having cups and all the business we were losing was get to work on the warehouse and actually make improvements so that when, the, when we do start rolling, 
then everything's in place um, to make it more efficient. Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting thing because I mean, I, I do stand up comedy, and the, the weird thing is, like, it's, it, it is a business of, of its own. And the weird thing is, there's always something you can be doing, isn't there? Like, mm. you know, but it, there, it's definitely true that sometimes are much busier than other times. And really, a lot of the question is, can you sort of organize your downtime? Yeah. Well, what, it's what, what, you what do is with your that downtime? Time. That's right. Mm. And it's interesting you were saying about being emotionally invested in the business, and I, I'd like to ask you about that because I imagine working with people and also working with people with disabilities, there must be a lot of uh, emotion that goes into that. So um, I'm interested in what Stephen said about emotionally detaching yourself from the business. What, what, what do you um, think about doing that with what you do? Yes, well, I, I definitely have a, a, an investment there because I've experienced what these families are going through. And mm. so there's a, a connection there that I think is helpful for the business. But but it is a business. And when I first started, it was a 150,000 turnover. Now it's 4 million plus turnover. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, now we've, you know, we had one full-time person back then and a few casuals. And now now we've got 65 plus families. Well, I'd like to know the difference again, like yeah. like with Stephen, like what, what's the difference in, say, your day-to-day workflow now compared to, say, when it was a much smaller business. Mm, mm. When, it, when it was, it was interesting parallels with Stephen's story, actually. So when, when we were smaller, I guess the, the most noticeable thing for me was that I had to do everything mm-hmm. and that I had to do absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do become a bit of a jack of all trades, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So as, as we grew, um, uh, I had to learn to adjust to be able to, um, you know, delegate those tasks and get the right people in. And, and uh, um, I think that's an exciting um, process to uh, go through. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Because you you have a, what's ostensibly a new business. I mean, even though it's eighteen months old now, and you have a very long term business. But it does sound like that both of them have. Uh, there's still a lot of change going on, even in yours, even after all of this time. So, I mean, maybe change is the only constant in the in these totally. things. Totally, you've got so. to keep going. You've got you, to keep keep evolving and moving forward. I, mm. I think that's certainly true in the not for profit sector and the disability sector at the yeah, moment. You can't relax. I mean, in in, in, in any business, cafe cups or disability, you can't relax. You've always got to be working out where you're going to be going next. What's next? What, what's next? Because agility is everything. Yeah, and I mean, how, how do you how do you do that? Is that an organic thing, or do you sort of plan it? And you have meetings this sort of thing. I mean, I mean, it's you, a vibe. You, it's just a vibe, yeah. What strikes me with you, Stephen, is um, you innovated with your clay cups. Mm. You sort of, you know, you, you tapped into your passion and then you, you sort of thought, okay, let's let's build something beautiful. I'm assuming that they're beautiful. Yes, they are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the website. They're but really, really, they're, really They're attractive. a lovely thing to have, but I guess I guess it's my personality type or something, but I, I saw the potential and I had to see how far we could go with this. But we could have just, you know, put together a couple of dozen cups and sold them in the cafe and I could just be running a cafe still. But part of me said, this is a really great idea. I want to invest some time and some money and lots of energy in this and just see, just, it's almost uh, a a curiosity for me. And and it's so, we're so lucky to live in Australia where I have the luxury to be able to, you know, afford myself that Mm -hmm. I can go right. You know, I, I have the, the wherewithal to open a cafe as I said, again, again, if I have to. But I also have the luxury that I can go and explore this avenue, mm. which I find fascinating. And I think in business, you've got to be fascinated. You've got to be interested mm. in, in the business. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree. I think uh, what, what we saw with the massive transition uh, time coming along was opportunity rather than feeling, hang yeah. on, this is going to, you know, this mm. is going to be terrible to say, well, what does this new system involve and how are we going to evolve ourselves yeah. and support the, the, the people that we want to support and that we've been here uh, for for the last 30 years in this new and contemporary way? What can we do? What can we innovate? And it's that mm. that sort of passion and sort of drive to respond to what's happening around uh, you that I guess that's helped us to develop a, a new business, which is run by families for families and this evidence-based program. 
nothing like it. And I think it is exciting to be out there on the edge to be thinking, hey, stuff is happening that I've got absolutely no control over, <laughs> but how do we respond mm. and build something so out of this? So that's it. That's yeah. it, everyone. If you want to run a business, you need to look at anything that happens and go, great, <laughs> that is great. I am glad that that happened. I think essentially that's it. Maybe yeah. that is it, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> you will be faced with adversity and you can either let it knock you down or you can say, and that's what I found fun about cafes is they're very short-term, um, you know, uh, uh, goal-driven stuff that you have to make a decision on the moment uh, and it has to be a good decision. And, and and I think you've got to be pragmatic in business. But, uh, but uh, it is... Um, it is something that uh, someone once said to me, and it's it's a bit trite. But if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And yeah, it's absolutely true. That's you know, true, but- and it's the flip side of um, what is it? John Lennon said, uh, "Life is what happens when you're busy doing when other things." Plans, yeah. But I think, yeah, if you're if you're busy, if the things that you're doing are you know are something that you enjoy, then it, d- it really does help you to it's not, not feel so much like it's not laborious. That's mm. a very good word, actually, Stephen. <laughs> that's a, that's a very good word. Labor la- labor need not be laborious. <laughs> that's right. Uh, now, Stephen, you said uh, you're a dad to two kids. Uh, now, um, I think a lot of people running businesses will have one, two, three or more kids. Um, how has being a dad and running a business, do those two things go together? Or um, they, how do they affect each other? They can. They're, very, they're, they're almost, um, a, a business is almost like having a child. So you um, have three children. <laughs> three children. You invest that much time into a business and that much energy and love. Uh, it, it can be quite sapping um, of your free time. Uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learnt from being in business uh, and having a family is to make sure that you see your family because they, they <laughs> that almost <laughs> seems like it goes without saying. But it, it, you're that, right. But, but yeah, you can really get immersed in a business. Yeah. It can really draw you out. You've got to see what's important in life, and, you, and nothing yeah. is more important, uh, as you'd understand, Sylvia, than your children. Once, yeah. once you, once you have them, uh, so I think uh, the business first and foremost, the business has to work for you. Yeah. If it's not working for you change the business or or, or or start another business. Well, I mean, the but, good thing about being in charge of a business is that you are in charge of the ultimately, business. Ultimately, but everything falls on you as well, though. Yeah. You know, like you're, you are HR, you are accounting, you are daily manager. So I think um, you've just you've, you've got to understand business is business, uh, but you've got to make it work for you. And I think that the strategy that anyone going into business should employ is to always have a bit of demarcation between um, business and family so yeah. that the family the family should never lose in business. No. I think, and that, I think uh, that's, it's, it's so much harder to do now because everyone's com- connected all the time, you know. Time was you could just go home and now you've got emails coming in and texts and, you know, exactly. you've got to administer your Instagram account and, <laughs> and all right. of that. You've got to have Instagram. People running. have got to know about the clay cuffs. Um, but, yeah, no, but it, it's a challenge having kids in a business, uh, but, but they're both, they are uh, manageable um, you just have to make sure that you put the systems in place in your business so that you can spend time with your family. Okay, guys, I'd really like to ask you about uh, your business networks. Uh, so obviously no one exists in a vacuum. We all run a business and there's other people in uh, in and around your business orbit. So um, do you have business networks and um, uh, has this grown or have you always had a network from sort of maybe the beginning of the time when you were running the business? Uh, let's start with Stephen. My um, networks uh, happen organically through social media with the Clay Cups, uh, but also uh, through my um, uh, involvement with the coffee industry for many years. I also had some networks running through that. So we 
Uh, with Clay Cups, we uh, got to know a lot of roasters, built relationships with roasters, other coffee houses who would on-sell our product. But um, the organic side happened mainly through health food stores, uh, yoga I mean, where, um, did, where did that come from? How did you get access to it that? Was, we just posted our cups on on social media. Like an, and you've got an Instagram people, account. Instagram presume, account. Yeah. And we were, people were just drawn to this. It was a, it was a purpose-driven product that was, was like a magnet. You nature. get all these messages yeah, from. And so we, we, we attracted all these wonderful people um, who are into the environment, into spirituality. Uh, and I guess that's that sort of, uh, it, it just told us what our niche was. Um, our, our niche w- are the yoga studios, the health food stores, uh, and, and that sort of uh, genre of people. But we also appeal to the more sophisticated people who like, um, you know, an elegant product, the, the top end of town, fashionista type people yeah, as well. Right. Uh, what about you, Silvana? What, what, are, what are your networks uh, in, in your industry? So... Um I've all, I've always had them and intentionally uh, build those. So there'd be other service providers who are in a similar um, similar business and, and work in the disability sector. Government's a really important network because in the past and 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 now you know government is in charge of those those funds. So it's very important to have those relationships. Um, as uh, you're the person in charge, is, are you the person who spearheads the the networking initiatives? Like you know, do you build the relationships? Is that is that a is that something that has become more prevalent? You know, does that come from the top of the organisation or from all levels? Mm. I've probably got a lot. Yes, it has been me in the past, but I've got a lot more uh, intentional about building other uh, the leadership skills and the communication skills, giving opportunities to other parents to have that opportunity as well. Because my son's twenty eight now, and their children are little, so uh, I think giving them the opportunity and really sharing with them very actively, spending a lot of time with them actually, and really coaching and supporting them and finding opportunities for them to to build those networks as well. Okay, um, and just uh, just to finish off, what tips would you give yourself if you uh, if you had to start again? Probably trust myself more. Um, and have a lot more um, belief and confidence in myself. So I mean, your, gut, your gut is good? Yes, but I think that when I was younger, uh, I was sort of looking to, um, you know, other people for sort of some sort of knowledge and tips and ideas and a, a very uh, wonderful um, uh, bureaucrat once told me, Silvana, uh, government look to the sector for innovation. Don't look to the government for ideas and innovation. And I thought that was a really important turning point for me. So if I'd had that a little earlier, I think that would be an important message. And also um, I'd, pro- I'd probably uh, sort of say, you know, gather more people around you faster. So I think for me it felt like for a while there that we are going sort of small and on our own for a while. And if I'd only known how to bring a few more people in with me, I feel like we're onto that now with getting um, into a new workforce, with employing parents as peer workers at, at our organisation now. There's a there's a new energy that we've harnessed there that would have been good to harness, you know, 10 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. I mean, there's so, there's so many people around who all have, a, uh, all have a common interest. So, mm. you know, it seems a waste to not, not get those people. And I, I know personally I did... I used to be like I used to run and try and do everything myself. I'd do my publicity myself. I'd design my posters myself, which I still do because I quite like doing that. <laughs> but yeah, just I found like the scope of what I could achieve just really widened out once I started including more people. And that can be really it was very difficult for me because I think emotionally I was very attached to having control over a lot of the stuff that I was doing. But I think yeah, you you really hit a wall at a certain point mm-hmm. about um if you don't, if you don't kind of tender out and go, okay, more of us uh, together, everyone achieves achieves more. That's I the think, one. I think that that I I agree with that, Yanni, because I think that perhaps if I'd uh, 
Perhaps if I'd um, utilised, like I've got awesome networks now, both in the disability sector, but over the last three to four years, I've been seeking networks outside of the disability sector to understand Plumtree as a business, not just as a not-for-profit. That's a really interesting point. And I I feel like had I done that sort of 10 years ago, I think things have been different. So I would give advice to people and say, build build networks, not just within your business, but outside of your business, because there's a lot to be learned when you when you look at the um, at your business through the lens of somebody else's experience and, and realise that, hey, at a fundamental level, we're all operating businesses, whether it's for profit or for, pro- or for not for profit, um, it's a business. And yes. there are some, some commonalities there that I think are really, really useful to learn from. And I wish I'd learned from those a little earlier. Yeah, that. there might be a real reticence sometimes to look at things as a business, especially if it's your passion. Mm. You know, I think sometimes people go, I don't want to look at it like it's a business yeah. because I love this thing. And you go, well, mm. yes, the love is what drives the business. Mm. But it's still, at the end of the day, you know, you've still got accounts and it's still it's still selling a product mm. or whatever. Now, what about you, Stephen? I would say to myself, enjoy the ride more because you can get <laughs> focused on the the sticking points in a business and, and, and you know, you can get fixated on uh, the lack of movement or progress. Um, and sometimes that's just part of the journey. You know, is that these things are going to make you stronger as a business and a person and um, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I do. Maintain your vision. Make sure that your vision is pure and have a vision of where you want to go because that's the that's what will get your business to where it needs to be. It, it, you can't just have, say, I like this product and just set out on your journey and, and see where it goes. It has to be tended to. It has to be con- – it's like, it's like having a child. You know, if I can use I was that thinking, that, I was analogy. thinking a garden, but I think that's much better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, it's there to be guided by. You can't just say – it's like opening a cafe. You can't just open the doors and say, right, we're open. You know, you, yeah. you have to have a, have have a, a direction and a vision and, a, and drive that. And you are the only person who's going to drive that. No one else – you can take all these people on board, but no one else is going to execute mm. your vision the way you will. But it's it's a good, it's a really good point. Enjoy it while mm. while you're while you're experiencing it. So I'll often tell the team, guys, I love coming to work, and I want everybody else to love coming to work. We're, we're in this mm. together. Can Let's I, enjoy can I just it. Say how much I'm enjoying this podcast right now. Okay, <laughs> I was I wasn't about two minutes ago, but once you pointed it out, I'm saying oh, we must be enjoying this as it goes. <laughs> Um, okay, and um, so that, 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 and just finally, what, what do you think defines uh, doing business your way? Like Steve, Steve, you're, you're Steve. No one else is like you. What is it about you, Steve, that you bring to to running a business? I have this maniacal love for the natural world, and right. I, I I want to see change in my lifetime for me and my children because mm-hmm. I've I've grown up on this in this planet. We've faced the same issues since I was a boy. And I want to see some change. And yeah. I see that this may be the time where where change is happening and I'm being part of that. And although it's a bit wishy-washy, this coffee cup is just a metaphor for everything else that's going on right now. It's it's a daily part of every person's life at, mo- at the moment in Australia is a cup of coffee. But it's not it's not it's not wishy-washy. It's an actual well, tangible physical thing. Yeah. And if it acts as a totem for a larger thing, then mm. I don't think that's, I think that's, I don't think that's wishy-washy after. at all. I, I was just saying that to the people who might be skeptics. But <laughs> but, uh, but but it's it's something that um you know if if someone buys a reusable coffee cup. It's they're every day reminded of this conscious change, and it may not, may just end at the coffee cup, but it may end up in a compost heap or recycling properly or some other change of behaviour. And I think that's what I would what what, what drives me. Well, good. I can, I can see why you've been so successful. <laughs> so, uh, and what about you, Silvana? 
So I, I, I believe um, I believe in people. You know, I believe in parents and their capacity to bring up their children and to do that well. Um, they're perhaps in a situation that they didn't expect to be in, but uh, what we can offer them is hope and um, hope and some skills and the connection to other parents so that they can carry on, you know, and feel strong about that and, and positive about the future for their son or daughter. So I think I'm naturally a positive person. And when I share stories about my, what my son has achieved uh, with the parents, I can see that they really lift and they, they think, hang on, maybe my worst case scenario that I'm imagining is not necessarily going to be what's going to happen. And to be able to give families that that different picture of a future at a time where they might be thinking that it's a disastrous thing that's happened to them. I think that's a pretty powerful um, injection of of happiness and positivity for people. Uh, Thank you very much, Steve and Silvana, for coming in and talking to us about the differences between running a new and established business. I think what both of you were very clear on was um, having a passion-driven business and and, and being clear on what your beliefs and values were. You you both also made the point about really seeing change as an opportunity, uh, not a threat, and the great value in building relationships uh, with people who share your beliefs. And the thing I thought was very, very interesting was that although there are definitely commonalities to all businesses, uh, bringing your your unique attributes to whatever business that you choose to run is really what will make it stand out from other businesses uh, around it. And if you'd like to find out more, please search for Combank Small Business for more resources. I'm Yanni Gisolo, and this has been the Leave Nothing to Chance podcast. Thank you very much.